0: in front. Old oh,
1: Fogies and and films. Films. Ooh, wee. It's going to be a
0: scorch Welcome to Old Fogies and Films. Each episode, the members of this panel take turns assigning a film to watch and discuss. We have... Zakia, Pahad. Shelly. Ruth. And me, Eric. This episode will be posted just before a long holiday weekend honoring Martin Luther King Jr. So I thought we'd honor the reason for the season by discussing the impactful cultural moment that was Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. Full disclosure, we're three white people, one person of Indian-Pakistani heritage, and one black person. We're all probably a little scared to be caught in a misunderstanding on such a heated subject. We don't necessarily have the same experiences as the community in this film, and we don't claim to have it all figured out yet, but we have good intentions and we're looking for our own answers. Considering events of the past few years, it's a discussion we should all have more often. Let's get started. So this movie came out in 1989, directed by and starring Spike Lee among an impressive ensemble cast. It takes place on one day in Brooklyn during a heat wave in a neighborhood that is primarily Black and Latinx, but with prominent Italian and Korean business owners. We spend most of the movie learning about the dynamics between friends, neighbors, rival groups, and of course the authorities until the heat and the mistrust and the resentment come to a head in a shocking climax that is all too familiar to all of us. So to get started, I think I'm going to go to one of my fogies. Uh, and I'll I'll close with myself, actually, giving uh, my broad thoughts. And uh, I, so uh, to segue to that, I wanted to say, Ruth, how did you feel that uh, this movie was speaking directly to you? <laughs> Do you remember what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> uh, there are at least three times in the movie uh, when Samuel L. Jackson's character, uh, Mr. Senior Love Daddy, is talking on uh, during his radio program he he says Ruth oh yeah I love how he says my name (laughs) like my favorite part that's the truth I was like yes that's me out loud when I saw (laughs) that when I heard that because I was like oh my god he's talking to Ruth right now (laughs) exactly
2: I was like that's awesome
0: (laughs) there aren't too many Ruths in the world so that's it's pretty rare I think
2: no it's an old school name for sure (laughs) yeah
0: how did you generally feel about the movie
2: um, I thought it was good. Um, I also really, as you're saying, like the role ensemble cast was amazing. Like, um, I guess, I don't know if that was a film of the, if they had been real popular already then, or if that was maybe some of their, some of the actors' first coming of age films, um, which I thought was real neat. I love being able to kind of go back and listen to like the early nineties music and stuff like that, which was a lot of fun. And um, it was like, oh, hey, Rosie Perez is not it and you know and well obviously spike lee and just um uh martin and uh yeah martin lawrence did, did you guys martin. catch that yeah and um
3: yeah samuel l jackson
2: yes he's hey. got my name down <laughs> samuel there. l jackson that's the truth Ruth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> which should become our catchphrase i think the fogies will just that's the truth Ruth. <laughs> start saying that
2: i like that <laughs> Or, yeah, from, like, Unis, when he says, Baby Ruth.
0: <laughs>
3: so, actually, Ruth's name is probably said more than any of ours in pop culture.
0: <laughs> uh, so far, in the movies that we've seen, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's That's <laughs> but we did have a Shelly Duvall starring in one of the movies. Yeah. I don't think there's been a single Fahad or Takiyah. No. that. So, you two are, you're two, you're very blessed. That's how you want to look at it. (laughs) Well, that's a good segue because I was going to go next to Shelly. Oh, yay.
4: Excellent. Um, So first I have to say that I was so excited to see the, this is senior love debt because I listened to, and I don't know if any of you all, well, probably not because you didn't recognize that, but um, Ron and Fez was a, is, or was a radio show that I listened to on serious every day starting um, when Jackson was born until it ended maybe three or four years ago. And that was their opening. So when that came on, I was beyond excited that that was there. So oh, cool. um, that gave me a good feeling for when the movie started. And there were a lot of things that I liked about the movie. I, I loved the character development. I liked getting to know each of the characters. And I liked how each character had, they were like dynamic. So you liked Mookie, but then you didn't, I didn't, there were things I didn't like. He didn't spend a lot of time with his child and um, he, you know, didn't spend a lot of time with his girlfriend. So you kind of got to know him. I like him. I, I, I'm rooting for him. And then I'm not, you know, what's up with this? And um, so you get to see, you get to know Sal, and you like him, and then there are things you don't like about him and his sons, um, which there weren't that many likable things about his sons, Pino and Vito, right? Pino and Vito. Pino and
0: Vito. Well, and I
4: think then, maybe
0: maybe you don't agree, but I think Vito seemed like a really good guy, but but Pino, that's a piece of work.
4: He, he agreed. Um, yes.
0: Okay. Oh,
4: you- and, uh, not, not, I was just thinking sorry okay. I, I should have jotted this more down. Um, so there were a lot of things I liked. I wasn't crazy about the last 20 minutes. like I understood where the movie was going and I under and I appreciated the climatic climactic event. but I wish that the reason for it, the way that that whole scene came about i wish that they had built that up in a different way like i wish that they weren't i wish that it was more or to me i i didn't find it to be believably upsetting that they were upset that there weren't um african-american heroes on the wall of an italian pizzeria that right there so like i'll end it there and let
3: other
0: people talk Okay, I, those are my really thoughts about the That sounds great. Uh, let's
3: go to Faha next. Um, so I want to just echo a lot of what Shelley said in terms of the movie, uh, you know, setting characters in a way that there are things you like about some of them and there are things you don't like about those same people. Um, you know, it doesn't paint, like, any one of them as, like, these amazing people um, or these terrible people in a way. Uh, except, um, I mean, I know he has some flaws, but Demer overall was kind of like a good guy, like trying to look out for everybody. So I really appreciated his character. Um, but, uh, overall I, I enjoyed the movie. It's one of those movies that it's like a day in the life of, and it's really interesting to be able to see a day in the life of all these different characters. And, you know, just what normally happens, except then it takes that shocking turn for the last like 20 minutes or so. Um, It's very interesting that, you know, this was early 90s and that, you know, that kind of stuff that happened then, people have fought so hard so it doesn't happen anymore. But it's interesting just looking at what's been going on the last few years as well. So it's a very timely movie in that sense, or timeless movie, I guess, in an unfortunate way, right? That these types of issues are still out there and are still being fought against and all. However, to Shelley's point, I struggled a little bit, bit with the, the way that it was depicted in the sense of, so one, let me just start again with this. And I'm going to be very, you know, specific in what I'm saying here. And sorry, Clarkson is scratching a lot in the background, is about to start crying, so it's going to distract me. Clarkson uh, is a goes. dog. not yeah. some... uh, Cut this out because he's starting to cry and bark.
0: Not some child he keeps locked in a room. It's a dog. (laughs)
3: He's a street (laughs) dog. So one thing I'm going to start with is nobody ever should be, should nobody deserves to die. There's no reason anybody should have died in the scene as it was portrayed in the movie. You know, they had already captured him. They were holding him down. There was no need for that force to be put on his neck to the point that he couldn't breathe and he died. That was absolutely inexcusable. That kind of force, that kind of a restraint should not have happened leading to his death. So I'm starting there. The part I wish that they did not show in the movie that would have made this a more of a gut punch to those of us watching is, I wish that they did not show Radio Rahim, the one who died. I wish they didn't show him choking Sal. He was on top of Sal choking Sal to the point where Sal was about to die. And, you know, that at that point, it's like somebody should get in and, you know, pull him off and stuff. He didn't deserve to die. Um, Radio Rahim didn't deserve to die, but he was about to kill Sal. And I just wish they didn't add that in there because that painted Radio Rahim in a bad light for the some of the viewers that could then make a case against his actions but again nobody deserves to die they pulled him off they constrained him and stuff it's just i don't feel like they needed to show him choking sal to near death to still get that same emotion and same point across because in a lot of and especially with a lot that's happening today a lot of people have died for much less um unnecessary deaths so i just was a little like they didn't need to show that part um it was very uncomfortable very sad to just see how it escalated back and forth between sal and his kids and the people in the pizza shop like it's just crazy that you know starting with um and out's character Giancarlo esposito's character you know going off on sal for not having any pictures of african americans up on the wall um to me that the hard part there is that you know sal is an italian american he's a minority as well in his own right and So Sal, you know, had pictures up there of other Italians. And when he was asked, why are there no black people? He said, I have pictures of Italians. You know, Sal could have said, if you can give me a picture of a black Italian person, I'll put it up there, um, you know, to compromise or something. But Buggin' Out's reaction to Sal, I think, was not as warranted in the sense that it's an Italian restaurant. Sal's not saying I only put white people up on the wall it's an Italian pizzeria. He's showing his Italian heritage with Italian um, celebrities that he's putting up on the wall. Um Buggin Out could have been more respectful in the way that he spoke to Sal about it, and they could have had a good discussion and a compromise, you know, again, like is there a good Black Italian person to put up that happens to be Black? Um, because there are And so I think, you know, the discussion could have gone a much different way. It didn't, and it escalated. And then Radio Rahim made it worse by not turning the music down. It's a private establishment. He was asking him to turn that music down, turn it off. Radio Rahim was refusing to do it. They started yelling at one another. It escalated, Um, and it should never escalate to the point where violence happens. Sal shouldn't have gone and gotten the bat and then started breaking Radio Rahim's radio um because it was too loud you know he should have just i know he tried to get him out just call the police at that point but don't take a bat out because that adds to the issue that escalates it more that takes it to the next level they see this man wielding a bat and breaking the stuff that's going to flare up emotions and it did and they jumped sal they jumped the kids they started wrecking the place um you know emotions run high when things get heated especially when it comes to the thought that are they doing this because they're black are they doing this because they're italian you know when race comes into play people get more emotional and it was just a back and forth escalation escalation that never should have happened um but all that said it never should have ended in radio rahim's death the police should not have had him in that chokehold the way that they did they had already pulled him off all they needed to do was just hold his arms keep him down yes he's a strong guy but they got him down They did not need to um, restrain him the way they did. That led to his death. And then when he died, the way that they treated his dead body was so disrespectful. Um, And that was just terrible. And I'm just gonna stop there because I've been talking a lot. Um, But again, it should never have escalated. Both sides should not have done things in the way they did and re-escalated it more against each other. it all could have just been easily discussed in the very beginning, but it never should have resulted in the death of somebody with the way the cops were having him in a chokehold. So it's just a very timely discussion that we're having because of stuff that's happening out there in society today. So I'll
0: end on that. That was great. Um, okay. Takiyah is next.
1: Yeah. i I said a lot of what I was going to say about that. And, um, well, I'll start with the characters. I, um, Likes how each character had their own different persona. So that was really cool. I got like the three, the three guys. Uh, one was Slim Dick Willie or something. I Tweet, probably
0: didn't get it. Tweet Dick Willie.
1: Yeah, I, I like their little bit. They had. I, I like how each character had had a little bit. Yeah, I like mother, mother sister. Um, she had her thing. So everyone had, had a different thing. Those was, those was Barton and Ford, two dudes and a um a girl. They had their thing. So I like how they they were portray, all the single characters like uh, Buki and uh, Bucking Out, Radio the Italian Itali- Itali- Itali guys. I like how, I like how I like how everyone had their own personal development. Yeah, um, yeah. I was kind of annoyed and angry. It's like, coming uh, back on what Charlie was saying about the um the fact that Radio uh, Bucking Out was, was caused had all this caused everything he was kind of reason why everything kind of escalated because, you know, instead of just talking to, to Sal about, you know, you know, he may put like one person, one person of color on the wall. He's in there shouting at him and uh, escalating things that, you know, all mad at him that he didn't put, you know, one person of color on the wall, whereas in a way it's, that's his restaurant. He can put whoever he wants in the wall. Now that you shouldn't, at least maybe he could put one person of color, you know, give a picture, he'll, you put it up there but if he doesn't choose to that's his business. you know this it's his business he already had minorities on the walls like you guys were mentioning so um it has seemed to me that yeah it, it was really no reason to get into all that because basically bugging out provoked him and provoked sal radio he turned the radio up sal sal wanted them to do was calm down and turn the radio down they wouldn't do that so understandably Sal's angry, provoked, and he, you know, smashed the radio, and um, that's where everything went from there, and it makes any sense to me, like, why, why, you know, that, that didn't have to happen, <laughs> you know, so, um, it almost, if you're watching the movie, it almost makes it look like, you know, black people appear hostile, and violent, and, you know, living in, in this, well, like, low-income area, and it, it, it kind of a the stereotype, in a way, Based on that scene, not throughout the whole movie, but but you see that scene. That's what kind of makes it look like, like they're they're you know, part of their environment of you know being hostile and violent and whatnot. So, um, I think I've been portrayed in a different way. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. Do, um, there could have been another another escalation that didn't have to involve a picture on the wall that could justify. You know, does that makes sense, guys. Like what I'm saying there that they something else could happen instead of just being a simple picture on the wall and, and, and having the whole, having all this rioting and everything going on because of a picture, <laughs> because you're mad at where a picture is, instead of being mature and just talking to them about it. And, and
0: it makes time. it, it you know? seems senseless.
1: Yeah, yeah. And as thank you. I was looking for that word. It was, it was very, that's why I was so, I was mad at it way that that was very senseless. It just makes Blacks in a, in a certain, in a certain socioeconomic level, Look, look, violent. You know, this is what, you know, this is how a lot of society sees um, blacks in that particular uh, neighborhood. You know, when we, when, when they you know, go up us. I mean, something like you know, a senseless thing, like you know, having a picture on the wall. Of, of, you know, wanting a little picture on the wall. You know, well, um, and they kind of compromised a whole different way instead of it. You know, coming in there and blasting the music and pissing him off, pissing Sal off, and yeah, so. That's
3: why it's so good. Yeah. Takia, I would just say with the like you were saying, you think like make a picture on the wall that you would have rather it been something else, not something. Yeah, so so senseless, but I that's, think that that's but I think that's part of the point that they're making is yeah. that it, such a horrible event could occur from something so senseless because of yeah. all the tensions and everything that's just been building. And yeah. something so small could just set it off. And it also shows the power of escalation right? It's something small. Then it builds and it builds. And to be fair, bugging Out and Radio Rahim, they weren't the ones to start the violence, right? The violence started as soon as a bat came out and started smashing a radio. Um began the violence and then they started, you know, he smashed their property, they start smashing his property. Then people jump on each other to stop each other from smashing the property. So I just wanted to put it out there. It was actually Sal who started the violence, And then in my opinion with that is nothing should ever resort to violence, physical violence, you know, that kind of stuff in that situation. um, You know, even if somebody's blasting music in your face or is yelling in your face, you can yell back at them, try to deescalate, calm down, call the cops if you need to. Um, But as soon as a bat comes out, that one is very threatening. As soon as that bat starts smashing the guy's radio right in front of him, that's the violence started.
1: Yeah, but and yeah. it, 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 it all goes back to bugging out, coming in there. And- but
3: but but words again. were in my opinion, words and yelling should not lead. Should not be a, a, a way to. Prov- it shouldn't provoke violence. Um, I, just just for everybody listening, I do watch a lot of Real Housewives, and there's a lot of yelling that happens there. And sometimes in some of the shows, there might be a slap, there might be a punch, there might be a hair grab and a yank. And they always say, no matter what, if that person's in your face yelling, that doesn't give you a pass to grab them. That doesn't give you a pass to go to violence. You know, words are words. a
4: table flip.
3: Yeah, a table flip. As long as that table's not flipped on you, you know. Um, But, uh, you know, bugging out, being all bugging out, right, and yelling, being loud does not. Mean that a person can bring a bat out and smash a radio, right? It shouldn't lead his nickname is
0: bugging out, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He bugs
3: out. He yells, but he wasn't being violent. He was just being loud and obnoxious. For, for and the, from so Sal's perspective,
0: him be a but little, some people
1: have short fuses too. I mean, I'm saying, but that's no that, excuse,
3: that's, right?
1: That's with the radio. I think that is really. I, I know. I hear you're saying it wasn't an excuse, but if, I think that okay. I don't.
3: Yeah, but, but a short fuse still shouldn't. Yeah, give an excuse for taking up, once a bad is, come out, like, that's a threat, and then once that starts smashing stuff, like, your property, that's where, that's violence at that point, and uh, you know, well, Sal
0: did I, I guess, wait, Tina, wait, what her what and clarification, and to finish out her thoughts.
1: Sure. Oh. <laughs> I, was John, I was going to actually mention about the, um, the heat wave. Um, that was, obviously, you know, I, I go to Wikipedia and read some more stuff about the movies. Um, it's interesting I, the idea of uh, heat can bring out um, kind of crazy, reckless behavior in, in general, because it's, it's, it's hot outside, you're, you know, you, the heat might affect you in different ways, it may, maybe you're, you know, Did irritate you? you, other people, um, a, warm, a warm night brings out people in general, and they're all out there, and um, so it's a kind of interesting correlation there with, 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 with the heat. How hot it is and like did that make did that escalate i mean did that make people even more um what's the word i'm looking for even more unhinged right. in a way like yeah. like 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 when the riot started and, and like when moogie smashed the um the trash can to the window would he have done that if it was a, if it was a freezing cold day in the snow
0: yeah and it and took, it's, but it's certainly an intentional uh aspect of this story yeah. And that's also, I think, a scientific fact. I, I think there's been studies done yes. when the heat rises, especially in cities where you get really like hot boxed, like sardines. Yes. Uh, the crankier, I mean, I mean, we probably all have experience. Like the crankier we get because we're hot, the less patience we have with.
4: Yeah. I also uh, love um, it. It. it reminds me of well, Ghostbusters well, too. <laughs> when in the beginning, you know, when when he's watching the marriage. Uh, the co- marriage counseling, and they keep raising the, the
0: temperature up. Yes, I forgot <laughs> about that. <laughs> That's funny you say that, because we just saw yeah. Ghostbusters, and Fahad watched uh, the first two to get ready for yeah,
3: it. Yeah, I just watched Ghostbusters 2
0: last week. But yeah, oh, wow. T- I love Ghostbusters 2. I love both. But, Takiyah, yeah, yeah you are um, you freaking love the heat, so I guess <laughs> yeah. it's not affecting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it won't affect me, but I know, just in general, I always used to read about how um, war crimes happen in the summer. Yes. Because of piece so as got ahead had a movie kind of correlates that I'm looking at the quite we looking for you know so that's an interesting example of you know all these people coming out out of nowhere and, and getting involved in this whole overall riot thing you know that they're, they're pumped up in and you know with some other I'm, I'm trying to try some descriptive words but you know when, when you're in a the mood is high. The tension's high. They're, they're pumped up. They're aggressive. They're feeling very—I don't know—excited. I don't know, but in, in a not so happy way. So, yeah.
0: It's, it's cranky and impatient leads to a lot of misunderstandings and sometimes violence. It's mm. definitely true. If this, if this, if the events of this movie had happened uh, any other day of the year, <laughs> then then maybe we would have had a happier ending. Yep. Mm. Okay. So if Takia is Finish. Her
1: now.
0: Okay. Cool. I will uh, be the last to give my thoughts. My very general thoughts, which are, I really like the movie from from the moment it started. <laughs> I was I was in love with it. I kind of I think I missed the '90s more than I knew, um, but also I love that opening with Rosie Perez and her her absolutely furious dancing. Oh yeah, yeah. So that like fun. so much kinetic energy. It's it's like wow. Like she is. Just, yeah. Um, good moves too. I kind of want to learn a few of those dances.
1: I'll teach you.
0: you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh, I, I also Fahad already stole this point, but I also really love day in the life movies. Um, so like one day ensemble cast, you get to learn characters and you see them come together and the stories evolve and and um, often day in the life stories are a little little happier. Um,
4: I'm I'm going to admit that i'm a moron and i did not realize i i didn't realize that now that you all are saying and i'm like oh duh but i didn't put it together that it was just one day all right i'm i'm an yeah. idiot i'm, I'm very bad start
0: to finish <laughs> i'm sorry well... <laughs> yeah um and then they make that point uh when the next the very end of the movie the last scene is the next day starts and and he says it's going to be just as hot so It's sort of like, you know, that was, all that happened in just 24 hours and, or well, less than that technically, uh, because people slept for part of it (laughs) at the end. Um, And um, yeah, it's a very interesting end because it's the start of a new day and everyone just kind of goes about their business. I mean, these things happen, time moves on. uh, We don't know if anybody learned anything good from their experiences. Uh, which is interesting considering where we where we're at now. I think it's it's like somebody else also said it's it's amazing to watch this movie because of how appropriate it is, but also extremely sad that in a little over thirty years, we haven't really we haven't really um, learned anything more about each other or come to better understanding amongst each other uh, because a lot of this still rang true. It, it still felt very much like the world we're living in and um, especially the ending, which, you know, it's incredibly sad that that's still something that's being dealt with. Um, I mean, specifically the death of Raheem uh, and how he died specifically. That's it's it's very, it was very hard to watch. Um, and uh, so so I so I love these kinds of movies. And I think that uh, I, I, I thought it was amazing that uh, Spike Lee directed it and starred in it. And his um, I loved his sense of style in the direction. I I found like a lot of scenes in in, in the beginning uh, for most of the movie, uh, it it was very much like um, an exciting community story. And uh, in a lot of the direction, a lot of the the shots, uh, some of them felt very much like uh, old school, you know, Technicolor musicals to me. Um, and, And almost like a play too, the way a play might be set up where you're introduced to characters and they've got these quirky personalities and they all know each other and they they play a role in the community and and uh, i thought that was all very beautiful which i think stood in um intentional contrast to what happens when when the violence sets off uh i I also agree with a lot of what people said that um that it seemed senseless that it didn't make sense what started the whole started all the violence that you didn't agree with what certain people did um, and, and i think as was also pointed out that, that all of that was intentional. I, it, it bothered me too when I was watching, I was like, really like why? And and I didn't like, you know, yes, for instance, that um, that Sal got violent and pulled out the bat. I didn't like that Radio Raheem came into the restaurant blasting uh, his stereo with bugging out, yelling uh, and, and demanding attention next to him. Uh, I didn't like uh, what a lot of the characters did and Mookie was a great character i thought he was adorable but yeah he he kind of he doesn't have a work ethic he just (laughs) he he just takes breaks whenever it feels like it and he doesn't spend enough time with his girlfriend and his son um so you know he but i but i also like once the movie was done i started thinking of it i was like well you know part of the point is also that these are all very human relatable people they're not there's no clear villains and no clear heroes um none of them are truly horrible but they're not really great either. They're just trying to live their life um, with the possible, possible exception of Pino who's pretty yeah. much a reprehensible person. But uh, but most of the other people, it's just like you find reasons that you really like them and reasons that you kind of don't like what they're doing or how they're behaving towards people. And that's um, that's true to real life. That's, that's how it goes, which I think uh, is part of the point because Spike Lee was trying to show like there's a recipe that doesn't look like a recipe for disaster but this is how you get there from here. And, and it can happen so quickly. You don't even, you can barely like make sense of it yourself. Like what, what did I just do? What did I just take part in? What, what, what has happened here? And you can't take it back once it's done. And um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty incredible. It's, and I also think that um, I had a problem with how it ended. Cause it seemed like a little too, nice you know with the scene with Mookie and uh, Sal just standing in front of his burned out restaurant and they have that conversation but it kind of ends on friendly terms um even though Mookie was one of the one I thought it was insane I thought it was kind of hysterical that Mookie went to ask for his last paycheck from Sal when he was the one that basically started the riot by throwing the garbage can into his store but but I also understand that Spike Lee is not trying to give us an answer to this situation and obviously especially people like us who don't have a lot of we don't live this life we have not lived this life or this experience um we're desperate for an answer we want somebody to resolve this and say this is what's right and this is what's wrong and and a lot of movies do that they wrap things up like that in a nice bow so that we feel a little bit better about what we've seen but that wouldn't really be honest i guess in this case right it wouldn't be truthful because nobody does have the answers I, I think he's saying the actions of even the characters that are supposed to be our heroes in the story are not necessarily it wasn't necessarily the right thing to do and so that's why the movie's called do the right thing right he's like well somebody tell me what that is what is the right thing did, did i do the right thing or did i not do the right thing i don't know the only thing we do know is that somebody died and it was unnecessary Uh, And I guess if there's one clear villain, it's the cop who decided to strangle him until he was dead, because even his cop, even his uh, partner was telling him, stop, you don't need to stop. And I think we've seen that a few times, too. Um, um, If I'm remembering correctly, some of the videos that we've seen released, you know, body cam footage you see. Certain cops say, hey, man, you need to, like, lay off. Or, like, this is not, you know, you, it's fine. You know, you don't you don't need to put this much force into it. But there's always, you know, one cop who decides that that much force is necessary for some reason. <clears throat> and, uh, and this is what you end up with. So, okay, those are my general thoughts. I'm going to stop there for now. I don't want to drone on and on. Uh, and I hope we come back to some of these did, um, topics. Did, did anyone...
4: Did you all feel uncomfortable? I did not with the way that, this is just one scene out of the movie, but the way that Sal was talking to Mookie's sister. Oh, yes. You felt uncomfortable with that? Yeah. Oh, I did. it didn't bother me at all. I, I mean,
0: for kind him, of real, I, real sleazy. I, Although she was nice. She was very nice back to him, but it was unclear because that scene doesn't, like they don't explore it any further than that. It was unclear to me to whether, whether or not she was just naive about Sal's intentions? I don't think he was
4: being... Personally, I didn't think it was just... He was an older man who knew this girl from since she was a kid, and they what? seemed to be talking and having fun or, like, yeah. just in yeah. their company. And, I, I mean, the only thing I... It just... He was just like, you have beautiful
1: eyes. And then, I mean...
0: Nakia, you agree that um, you think it was just a sort of platonic, like...
1: Yeah, and I, I think Ruki read, read into it too much because... because- because there, there's a, the race, racial tensions with with the, with the Italian family. Um, I think he thought that because they, they've been negative in the past with his brothers and all. That um, he thought Sal was trying to move it on to be sleazy, like more, more negativity coming out. I think he, he read that as you know he's going to hurt That's-
0: her. That's interesting because I definitely read it as he is being a bit lecherous. Um, and I thought it was inappropriate too, because it was like, you know, you're, you're too old for her. It's, it's not, it's not an appropriate, it wouldn't be an appropriate relationship. I'm curious, uh, Ruth and Fahad, how you interpreted his, you know, behavior with, with Jane. Yeah, I'm,
3: t- I'm trying to think how I felt while watching it. Um, I mean, I did feel like he was crushing on her a little bit. But I, did, I just was like, I mean, if I felt uncomfortable or weird about it, it might have just been because of the age difference. Um, I don't think he was being like womanizing or anything towards her. Um, he was crushing like, oh, let me make you this pizza and I'm going to put the best things on it. You know, like, um, but I don't know if Mookie was mad about it because of race issues. I thought he was just mad about her, kind of grossed out, like, oh, it's Sal, this old guy yeah. being interested in my young sister. I thought that's where he was coming at it from, not because he's white, she's black, or he's a. Uh,
1: no, I, I would not that standpoint. Just like the whole thing with you know the family, being, you know, somewhat you know stuff they said in the past about the N word and all that stuff. And um, but yeah, yeah, I didn't think I didn't think it was because he was it was a black white black white thing or
3: anything like that. No. Yeah, I didn't think there was any like race.
1: I think it was
4: overreacting. So, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was an overreaction. But I also thought because he even didn't he tell, he told Mookie that, like, you're like a son to me. I just thought maybe, you know, because didn't he say that he watched them all grow up? He enjoyed his neighborhood. He got to see the little kids grow up into older kids, the old people get older.
3: But if he did watch this little girl grow up, then it's kind of because I did feel like he was being flirty which could be weird if he's seen her grow up from a little girl. Um, But I don't think he was being dis... He was just being flirty
0: and being very, like... But I think think we've all seen how that kind of behavior from an older man like that can... You know, there's a point where you're like, oh, it was all fun and games, and then it's suddenly not. Because... So I think his intentions, maybe up until now, he's just been a little flirty and just kind of kind to her and accommodating, but you know, we've seen so many cases. I mean, the Me Too movement is also something that has come to prominence in the last several years. And a big part of that is where it seems like the guy is just being nice. And then you find out in a very pivotal moment in your life that he is actually expecting something else. And if you don't give it to him, then suddenly there's a problem, right? And I see, I could see that same thing happening. Like at some point he's going to say to Jade, you know, I kind of want to start this thing. And if she doesn't react well to it, he's not going to react well to it. And I think Mookie was just trying to say, it wasn't even because he was older or because he was white. It was because he thought his sister was not really clued into what Sal's real intentions were. And he was worried that she was going to be too naive and gets caught in a bad circumstance.
4: Yeah, I didn't see that though, because I didn't see him in any other circumstance. Like I didn't see that in his character. Like it just seemed like, that wasn't
0: at all so i don't maybe we just don't know enough
2: from this one scene i, I think oh. oh i'm sorry um I didn't, it was kind of similar i suppose what shelly was saying i didn't take it as him being flirty, really i just made it made me think of him more as like how he knew her as a kid and stuff like that um i think i don't think he meant anything like trying to be creepy really you know um I think Mookie was just being like trying to protect his his sister and stuff but I maybe he I feel like maybe he misinterpreted it but I feel like you know he's trying to protect his
1: sister too yeah
0: it's interesting that y'all said that because I I even thought because of how I interpreted that scene I even thought that later when he says Mookie you're like a son to me um see, I was thinking about the fact that, you know, he's got this Italian family business, but Mookie is the only other person who works there. I, so I, my theory was that Sal was really only keeping Mookie on because it was his connection to Jade that, you know, just to stay connected to that family because he had a thing for Jade. So to sort of, you know, if you, he's thinking in his head, well, if I, you know, I keep Mookie in the fold here, he sort of becomes part of the family. Then it's a, you know, it's a little easier to keep Jade close too that's the way I thought of it. And I, I, and I, I thought like, well, that's, that's really shitty, honestly. If, if, you know, he's not even, he doesn't even really consider Mookie a friend or anything. He's just shining him on because he wants to keep the sister close. Hmm. Anyway. so now
4: we know that you think Sal is evil.
0: No, see, I don't think he's evil. I just think it's that another, like, it? a, you, know, he, you know, a flawed person. Um, and we don't know if he ever would have uh, crossed a line I don't know that. Obviously, it's just like I understand where Mookie's coming from. Like the signs are there, and it's uncomfortable, because you know. Well,
4: because he said her eyes were pretty. I mean, like, what made you feel like this was uncom? Like, I've gotten compliments from older men that I didn't think that they were like trying to any. Like, they weren't like nothing sexual was going to even be close. It's, it's,
0: coming. it's not just that that one compliment he gave her it's his um his overgenerosity with her like as soon as she steps in the restaurant it's like no one else is there he wants to stop everything and and take care of her and it's it, you can see his um his whole like his whole demeanor change with her presence in the room and, and so that's why i mean that those are all those little parts are why i interpreted it differently um mm-hmm. And, you know, this this whole movie is about how sometimes you can't foresee when a line is going to be crossed, but once it is, you can't get back from it. And I just, you know, I felt like Mookie was seeing Sal come up close to a certain line and, you know, he didn't want it to get to the point where he crosses it. He wanted to try to keep, you know, keep, you know, Jade aware of what's going on. And anyway, we've talked a lot about this already, but hey. I just, i think it's funny that a lot of you did not interpret it that way that's that's interesting
1: i want to switch the topic on to the um the asians okay in the movie, so maybe two topics i mean first one what you guys think about with the um the whole asian couple and everything and how that like looking at the end where they were about to destroy their business and they were like wait we're black we're <laughs> you're like "No, no." it <laughs> you know, it, it, they were trying all they could to save their business and everything, and then they realized, well, we're not going s- to sit there and destroy their their business just because we're, we're mad, we're angry because of, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so what do you think about their their part in the movie? And then um, there's also and there's a, a a part in the film where they spouted off all the stereotypes of Latinos and um, Blacks, Whites. Um, were there any? weird question were there any stereotypes within what they spe- spewed out spurted out that you guys were surprised that not know about or knew about that makes <laughs> sense yeah you,
0: you really want to get us in trouble
1: <laughs> no i mean are there some you did not know like okay like black people it's the stereotype of like that we eat like you know fried chicken or whatever are there something you didn't know about you didn't know about or whatever i don't know if, you don't have the answer i mean am i getting people in trouble <laughs> asking that like, There's there some you did not that you were surprised to hear about,
0: not just black people. Like, you know, they they do it sort of. Um, do you remember that guy who did the micro machines commercials in the eighties? Oh
1: wait a minute! <laughs> remember the guy who
0: was really fast he You talking about the micro machines? Remember?
1: Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah Mr. Yeah. Testaverde from Say by the Bell, right? He
2: was on another TV oh, channel. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so my, my point was those scenes where they do that. It, it's a little bit micro machines. The people are really like they're like it's just like mile a minute. Everything they can think of, every stereotype you've ever heard in your life. So I can't remember every single one, but I don't remember off the top of my head hearing anything that I had not heard before.
1: That's why I wanted to know. We're all from different you know, from you know different families. You know, families, walks life, but not in terms of mom. you know, like they, like, they maybe some. But the recipe? Have you guys heard some of those? Did you not hear some? If you remember when he spewed
0: out, he was yeah. Did anyone else hear anything that they uh, were surprised?
1: Hadn't heard of that, that. You never heard of that. You didn't know it was a stereotype. not That what I, I can of?
0: recall. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. But while yeah. while does her business with the babysitter, uh, there, I, I yeah. brought I'm up the. Go ahead. Cool. <laughs> I like. Thank you. I like that she brought up the. Um, the um, the Asian business owners I I did think that was a, a very interesting aspect of this movie uh, and the, so the role they play in the community how the community feels about them and then you know how they react um, in the end scene um, so so what what are your thoughts on how I that all played, that played into
4: that it? they were they were just trying to protect their business sure they did not they saw that other one go up in flames and so i just took it as that they were trying to protect their livelihood
0: yeah well let me let me give you a little more of my thoughts that might prompt some reactions from you uh two things about about the that family um i thought it was very interesting to include them in the storyline um like a lot of neighborhoods you know there there's a it might be primarily a certain culture, but there are, you know, other businesses. And uh, so first, I thought it was interesting that they're included uh, with Italians and Blacks, because they're all at sort of different, they have a different status, and they're at different, different moments in the journey of an immigrant to this country. Um, So obviously, the Black community has been here for a very, very long time. And there's a very storied history of of abuse and their, you know, their place in society and, and how society treats them. Then you have the Italians. A lot of Italian Americans, uh, their families came, you know, in the early 1900s, Ellis Island. And so, uh, what's interesting about that is that you know those communities, there used to be, there used to be a lot of hate. Uh, well, there still is, obviously, but there used to be even more hate for their communities too, uh, and a lot of racial slurs and and community violence. Um, uh, but the Italians in this story, you know, um, you know, they've been here, their family been, has been here a bit longer, but uh, but not quite as long as the black families. Uh, and then you have these Chinese immigrants who have obviously they have not been here very long at all. Uh, what, what is it that I think the, the, the men who sit on the street and watch the community, they said something like they'd only been here a year uh, and they already had opened this business. So they're very fresh. And uh, so it's it's like it's very different perspectives, and I think, for instance, the way I interpreted, it, I thought it was a very weird scene when you know they're burning cells, and then they they start to possibly they think they might attack uh, or the Asian family's business that as Zacchaeus said that he starts screaming, I'm black, I'm black too, you know? The, so I thought that was really weird at first. And well, I especially thought it was weird that it worked. Like the, 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 um, the, the people on the street sort of, they started laughing and they just, they decided not to vandalize their store. Uh, maybe because they were taken off guard. But I also thought like, why, why is he saying that? And I think like maybe in his, you know, he was trying to convey the fact that that, that he felt much closer to the struggle that they were going through um, then maybe the the community realized. And you know, he, he was sort of saying, like, don't attack me. I'm, I'm just trying to do uh, the same thing that you're trying to do. I'm, I'm in a place that is often hostile to me. Um, I'm trying to make the best of it. you know, I'm trying to take care of my family. And that I uh, I'm droning on now, so I let, I'll let you guys talk in a minute. but, but okay. the point with that is that I think one of the, one of the interesting parts of this movie, and about our story and society in general is how often people forget the common ground that they have with all the other peoples in this country and it becomes an us versus them thing instead of a i get where you're coming from because there's part of that in my history too and or even in my current struggle and we just ignore it and we think that you know everyone's success is sort of a detriment to our own or you know, those kinds of conversations. So, um, okay, I'll I'll stop it there and see if anyone wants to speak up.
3: So, Eric, yeah, I'll go ahead and give my opinion on the Korean uh, um, store owners and just their place in the movie. Um, I felt like it was just very interesting that they did... I like that Spike Lee... Included, you know, a Korean family. Included an Italian family. Included Latinx families. Included, you know, black families to show that it isn't just one group that lives here. It's all these groups, and they are all minorities. That's the thing, right? They are all minorities. Um, so yeah, when the uh, uh, when the group that was uh, trashing Sal's pizzeria was turning on to the Korean family's uh, store to start destroying that, and he started yelling out, "I'm black. I'm black." I, I, I agree with you in the sense that I think he was trying to convey to them, like, I'm like you. I'm, I'm, you know, a minority. I am one of you. I have the same struggles as you. I'm turning, like, I'm not a part of what was going on across the street. Like, don't come at me. I'm on your side. I'm not trying to do the same stuff that he maybe thinks Sal was trying to do. Um, so I, I just think that it was very interesting to see because it's a very high tension racial um, event that's happening. But the group that was attacking Sal's was just very easily ready to turn on the Korean family and start attacking them when they had nothing to do with it. And uh, I lost my train of thought, but I was just saying it was, I understood where the guy was coming from by yelling that out. He wasn't literally saying he's black. He was trying to convey I'm like you, you know, why are you turning on me and trying to destroy what I'm
0: like got up here? Oh, and I just- think they, I think they, se- they seem to realize that Um they backed down. They didn't destroy his place. And, and, and part of that is, um, this is what happens with a mob mentality, is you you kind of lose, because it's a group, you lose an individual sense of morality, and there's a momentum to to mob action that that often gets out of hand. And then things uh, happen that maybe later you will regret that you took part in. And um, I studied this once in, in a sociology class in, in college, and they talked about all these, these aspects of the mob mentality, how... You lose the sense of your, your sense of self and you get taken, you get swept away by the, the actions of the group uh, and things that you wouldn't normally have done become normal (laughs) or, or acceptable. Yeah. And I think that they were definitely getting caught up in that. And it was just, they were, they were ready to just continue that. uh, (laughs) What's the word I'm looking for? Like that intense passion. Yeah. They were fired up yeah that, that passionate action they were ready to continue it no matter what the target was
3: and they want yeah they didn't want to target other you know their own places so they were like you're next
1: oh um, what'd you guys think about um some of the other scenes or characters like, like they're, they're, no one's really mentioned the, the bit with the three dudes, three guys or um i think what else was there—the interaction with mother sister and the mayor there other scenes that, that i mean like what it seems like like that that, that
3: Guys, like, or what uh, do you guys think about some of those? I
1: like the scene where uh, Demare, oh, uh, it, the mayor saved the boy. Oh,
3: sorry. The fire hydrant as question. well. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So going back to answering your question. So, I, I, I liked the scene where the mayor uh, saved the boy from being hit by the car. Yeah. Um, I like how, at first, when the mom came, she was very mad at, like, what are you doing to my son? Why'd you, why'd you hurt him? And then the son kind of lied, like, you no. Know, <laughs> about what had happened but then when she realized what really happened boy did she turn
0: on her son and get mad um so i, I like <laughs> that scene that she um didn't disbelieve the mayor because it seems like the whole community just thinks of him as a drunk stumbling around <laughs> the community yeah. but yeah I, I, I sort of like for a split second i thought oh she's gonna say that he's lying about saving her son and yeah. it's gonna be sad but yeah, thankfully she believed him <laughs> No, I,
3: I appreciated that she she believed him with what happened. And like I said earlier, I feel like the mayor, he had good intentions throughout the movie, um, even with uh, what was going on with the... Um, craziness at the end he was trying to defuse the situation
0: yeah yeah I um, think that was an important scene because uh you know they showed him trying to defuse things but also um that final shot of ruby oh, d oh yeah her sister screaming and he holds her i i you know they are the elders of the community right so they've mm-hmm. seen a lot of this stuff come and go and it, and it seemed to me that she was, she was sort of wailing in Grief and anger that this kind of thing is still happening, and that you know, even at her advanced age, nothing has gotten much better.
3: But what was interesting is they both came from different perspectives. She was egging it on, like, she wanted them to like destroy more and like do what they were doing. Um, whereas the mayor was trying to defuse the situation, and then he went to try to comfort her when she was like getting into the state that you were talking about. So I found that very interesting that they we're going at it from two perspectives when they came back together for him to try to comfort her and you
0: know. she's, a, she's obviously a much more she's a more cynical and angry character so i can yeah. see why in the beginning she might be she might welcome <laughs> the release of this this um sort of protest action uh that leads to violence but um but you know he's a more he's very, he's definitely a more laid-back character he's all like just just love people just let them be let people be who they are and and I think she realizes in the, or at least that's how I interpreted her her screaming is that she realized in the end that this is this is not really what she wanted. Yeah. But by the way, I thought it was fun that they put them together because when I was on IMDb, I found that uh, Aussie Davis, who plays the mayor, and Ruby D, who plays mother sister, they actually had had a short lived uh, six episode show together in 1980 called um, called uh, Aussie and Ruby, I think. <laughs> oh. I know that. Like a talk show scenario or whatever but they were the co-hosts together so i i'm sure it was a little bit of a, a nod by spike lee to cast them in these roles together to bring them back you know 10 years well, oh, like nine years after they had done that that's very cute yeah that's cute
3: so back to takia's question did other folks have other scenes or you know other parts that we haven't discussed that they like like i think you mentioned the fire hydrant scene where i'm assuming you're talking about where they blast the guy's car as he's driving by
0: oh yeah
1: that was a major one now now that was an interesting controversial scene right there with the cops what do you guys how did you guys interpret that with, with the whole cop the whole cops
3: where the cops didn't go after those the guys because right?
0: of what well at least, at least in that scenario they didn't just pick the nearest black person and start accusing them uh you know at least that was a a, a, a a scenario where they said well look the the people who were involved they've run off do you really think that just because your car is wet we're gonna like try to chase them down or do some detective work to figure out who it was like it's not worth their time right right <laughs> you're wet <laughs>
4: but how annoying right wouldn't that be oh,
0: so- oh i'd be very pissed i mean and i don't understand why they did that either it's like yeah well, they did it
3: because this I, guy's coming in all flashy. Look at me, hey guys, don't get me wet. That's just basically saying, hey guys, I'm a target. Get me wet. Was that really uh, the only
0: street he could drive down? I think he. I was wondering that too. Back up your car and, um,
3: like
0: you're asking.
4: <laughs> I that guy that he's an, yeah. he's um he's in The Sopranos. He plays a oh, course I think, <laughs> <David> <laughs> Bill Leotardo that act that guy that drives that car. So he's. He's a good actor.
0: Did Danny Aiello ever appear in Sopranos? Uh,
1: who's Danny Aiello?
4: No. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> I,
0: thought,
1: no, I think he's, so. He's Madonna's Madonna's papa.
0: Yeah, he was in Madonna's, he's a, Madonna. He's He was plays Madonna's oh
3: video. Oh. It's sad though. So many of these uh, cast members have passed away.
0: It is sad?
3: All within the last like four or five
0: years. The oh.
4: um the kid, uh, Vito. Where did I know him from?
0: Uh, Pino or Vito? Pino is Pino. the dark haired. Vito is the blonde haired. It was Vito. I don't know him. I looked him up after. I mean, he's definitely worked since, uh, but I don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen any of those things. John Turturro is Pino, and he's ob- he's very well known, obviously. Um, possibly oh, yeah. most famously for Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Mm-hmm. Oh uh, you know, yeah. the community, Barton Fink.
3: Or the Barton Transformers Fink. movies, for those of you that are into big uh, action blockbusters. Of course,
0: that's Fahad's contribution. Transformers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's he, he he had a pretty big career
3: barton fink that was another big one of his
0: that's what i said yeah oh sorry <laughs> oh well, um where you repeated how about that yeah this has a great cast if we want to talk about it uh first of all it's the opening credits say and introducing rosie perez which yeah. uh, means it's her first feature film so that's that's impressive what about the
1: the um cerebral palsy or maybe you had something else wrong with the, the the guy who Billy really Challenge guy. That's an
0: interesting, I don't know if I think people would have a hard time getting away with that now because that actor is not actually challenged. Uh, and I'm I'm glad that they use him throughout. When he first appears, I was my first reaction was, uh, this is a weird choice. <laughs> who, yeah, I, I was because I, I didn't know whether this character was going to continue or, or, or you're yeah. a storyline, and I thought if it was just this scene, then it feels like you're making fun of him.
1: Yeah, I was wondering that like, like, uh, like, what, what's his purpose? Is he, is he, but then I was I, like, I just liked it was in there because he, I like the fact that he was there's minorities, and then anyway, he has his challenges like the black community has their challenges, so I thought they were kind of correlated together. It's like, I
4: kind of the minority
3: that. within the minorities,
1: yes, yeah, yeah, I thought he was yes,
4: just. Yes. Part of the community, so I kind of liked that
0: that he was just part yeah. of yeah, their and community. it makes sense for a community. Yeah, there's a there's usually somebody with you know challenges in most communities. Um, and I also he also serves a purpose because he's the one that um, uh, from the very beginning points out what what is sort of the overarching theme of this entire movie, which is the philosophy of Martin Luther King versus the philosophy of Malcolm X, which has been a great debate for you know since. Uh, since they were on the scene um, uh, in the civil rights struggle, because one, they both have very differing views on how you handle the civil rights movement. Uh, And of course the movie ends with, I think it's the ending and not the beginning. It ends with a quote from each of them. Yes. It shows how, you know, they were definitely, they were both on the same page, hence in the picture together. (laughs) Like they both had the same goals, but they didn't quite agree on how to handle it. and, And the whole movie is about that. Like what is the right thing? Is it right to, is the riot right? Or should there have been a different way to handle the situation? I don't know. That's the point, yeah.
3: I mean, and that's kind of the question about do the right thing, to your whole point, Eric. Like, what is the right thing? What's the answer to this? You know, Martin Luther King Jr. had one answer. Sp- um, was said Spike Lee. Uh, Malcolm X had a different answer.
1: I think even people watching the movie back then, even now, same thing. There's people who agree with, you know, the writing because of the, uh, you know, well, you should have had black, you should have hung black pictures of, of, of famous black people on his wall and then others will be like, no, there's no reason to escalate because of not having pictures. This, so that's his this place. So, yeah, it's, um,
0: um, I want to get into that again. Um, actually, uh, first I want to say, uh, that, um, I just had a conversation, uh, Fahad was there too, with a group of friends about a lot of these subjects and, um, um and no, uh, we talked about how, like from my perspective as, as a gay man, um, you know, our big moment that's launched our movement was the Stonewall riots, which also involved violence um, and property destruction. And so uh, my opinion on all that is that I, I think it is necessary sometimes. I think when you have struggled for long enough and you've, you've kept asking for respect or for change and, and clearly asking is not enough, eventually you break and you realize you have to do something that they that cannot be ignored for them to, for people to finally stand up and do what's right so you know if, if i were I, like i said on that night when we had a discussion if i were at stonewall i probably would have been throwing bricks too because you just get to a point where you're just too sick of it but and and you know the impetus for that riot for instance was um get another raid and violence on behalf of the police and you could say that Part of the impetus for the right in this movie was the death by police of one of their community members. Um, but as Takiya has pointed out, what what launched, what started this, the whole thing, the escalation of violence, was the simple fact that Bugging Out believed, and Radio Rahim believed, that there should be some Black Americans on the wall at a restaurant in a Black neighborhood. So let's talk about how you guys felt about that. Oh, hmm.
3: I'll will stay quiet just because I already heard
0: <laughs> his points on this.
1: Um, but I, I just want to add something. Um, I had I had never on that too. I mean, if, if it's your restaurant, you can't make someone put a some picture on the wall. I mean, can you go? You know, is it maybe? Uh, it's maybe it may that's not a popular answer, but like, like should he, he be forced to put someone someone on the wall? He may not want on the wall. You know, you should have want to have someone else put on the wall. Should he be forced to?
0: I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'll go ahead. I, I mean, I want to let other people talk, but it seems like they might be a little tentative, which is fine. <laughs> yeah, I'll say I, I agree to Kia, like, uh, yeah. absolutely. Uh, he should be able to put anyone on his wall that he wants. Yeah. Um, one thing I don't like is how he reacts to the suggestion that somebody mm-hmm. else put on the wall. Um, I think he could have been a little more diplomatic or make a compromise. Like Fahad mentioned earlier, there would be, there could be black Italians that he could put on the wall to celebrate. And I also think that he should consider it very seriously because he is, he has put his business in this community and is making money on the community, you know, patronizing his business. It could only help him to sort of the community in that way. So it's something he should consider. Now, is it something that should be forced on him? No, this is kind of what uh, Buggin' Out started to do in the beginning of the day, He was, which is he just wanted to convince other members of his community to boycott and stop going to Sal's. And that would be a perfect solution if he gets enough people to say, yeah, I get what you're saying, bugging out. Uh, and I agree. So let's all just stop going to Sal's until Sal feels the hurt a little bit and decides it's in his best interest to be a little more involved in the community that is supporting him. Um,
4: but um, but my question really was,
0: a Go ahead, Shelley.
4: Does he, the Sal and his sons, did they live upstairs? Didn't that wasn't this not their community as well?
0: I'm a little confused on that because they make a comment later on uh, when Pino is talking to Sal about how, why don't we just close this place up and open up one in our neighborhood? And he mm-hmm. names it. I can't remember the name. Um, it begins with a B, B, two, I think. Uh, and then Sal says there's too many pizzerias there already. You know, we wouldn't be able to compete. Um, so, but I couldn't, wasn't clear if that's just the neighborhood they used to live in and moved away from, or if they still live there and they commute in to do, to man this restaurant. I'm not sure if anyone else caught any of that. Oh,
3: well, it looked like Sal drove up to the
0: pizzeria, right? Um, and planning to open it. So maybe they do still live in that other neighborhood, but they run but the he business.
4: had been there for years. Um, right? Right. There's so,
3: also the Latino community. There's the, Korean, the Koreans across the street, like-
0: but it is primarily a black community. They're his business, right? Those are his patrons. But again, he shouldn't have to, but he definitely should consider it. And if they boycotted, I think he would find out, you know, if they got enough people to care enough about this specific issue, however small it might seem and enough people boycotted, then he would, I mean, as a business owner, he would have to change and, and do something about it, right? That's just good business. Like you need to support the community you're in, you need to take it seriously and respect people.
4: I guess I didn't understand why, why if he had been there for 25 years and it hadn't been a problem, why is it a problem now? Like what, what is, what was it? What was the reasoning yeah.
0: now? What was bugging bugging out? Well, it was mainly like we saw during the storyline, it was mainly bugging and then radio Raheem later um, because most other people said, what are you talking about? That's crazy talk. We love sales. We were raised on it. I, we don't care. Um, Shelly
3: was wondering though, why is
0: Bugging Out bringing this up now? If he's lived in this neighborhood this whole time, like, I think it's just like like I said earlier. There seems to be a reason. He's his nickname is Bugging Out. He seems to get really irate about things very quickly. No matter how small they are. You know, somebody stepped on his shoe. No, or well, actually, somebody ran over his shoes with a bicycle, um, and that almost becomes a thing, right? But it was earlier in the day. The heat hadn't gotten to them so much yet. But
4: well, yeah, movie, and he was still upset about his shoes the whole day. He kept trying to fix them.
0: Yeah, and when they uh, confront the guy who, who, who did it, uh, that very easily could have turned into a very... I think there were a few moments during the movie, and I'm sure this was intentional too, where it, where it was a situation that could have escalated, but didn't yet because, you know, maybe it was earlier in the day. People weren't quite as upset. They weren't quite as cranky or impatient because of the heat. Uh, but then you get to this point in the late afternoon right before night and it's uh, something is just too much and everyone just loses their mind. But yeah, uh, I, I think, you know, that that's also like Danny, Danny Aiello probably regrets how he handled things or his character Sal probably regrets how he handled things because I'm sure Bogan out is always loud and Radio Raheem is always playing that stereo. But on this particular day, he did not react very well to, to these facts.
4: I guess that's the, the, I mean, that's just part of being, you know, Everybody has bad moments and don't react to things. And it's it's interesting to think about that it it causes a chain of events.
0: Yeah. You know, one if one thing.
4: person had behaved a different way, then it would have ended a different way.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's sad because so many little decisions like, could have avoided all the whole thing.
0: The, 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 another interesting thing, like what... what Another point of this movie and what could have avoided the escalation is that uh, people could have made a better effort to understand each other. And throughout most of this movie, nobody really makes much of an effort to understand each other. There's a lot of interactions that seem very tense and aggressive and they dissipate and people go about their ways, but they definitely don't include people sort of, you know, understanding each other as a community. There is one moment though, the one where um, Mookie takes Pino aside in the restaurant and says, Let me talk to you for a minute. And he says, Who's your favorite basketball star? Who's your favorite musician? And he's trying to get Pino to admit that all your favorite celebrities are black. So why are you? Why do you then spout all this racist stuff uh, to the to the people in your real community? And um, that was the one moment where you know Mookie was really trying to get him to understand. Like, I think you're just you know your mind is twisted because you love black people. You're just I don't know convinced that the black people in your community aren't as good as the celebrities that you know.
4: I thought it was a bit humorous when he said and your favorite musician and he's like the boss he wouldn't admit that he liked Prince it was just like no I like Bruce Springsteen I'm a masculine I like
0: Bruce Springsteen." Now. exactly yeah but we know the truth is like oh uh, his favorite is Prince you know and he doesn't want to say it <laughs> so yeah so um Uh, So that leads directly into another thing that I thought was about this movie is right now we all live in an age where people are much more mindful about what they say. And, um, you know, for the last, you know, at least 20 years, we've had culture, as they call it. Uh, And now you have cancel culture and say what you will about those things. But I mean, I do think that it's it's good that people are, you know, you know, we expect people to take more responsibility for the things that they say um, and to change. But uh, this movie was made at a time when all that was, you know, not even a consideration. And so, throughout this entire movie, people are saying things to each other that are just, just wildly inappropriate and and upsetting and and um, non compassionate and you know, accusatory and insulting. And everyone just sort of lets it go. And it's really strange to watch considering what we've all gotten used to now. And I wondered if you had any thoughts about that.
4: Well, it's interesting for sure because I, I appreciated that everyone was the bad guy, right? Everyone was using derogatory names for everybody else. Hmm. So I found that to be interesting. Um, nobody was off limits,
0: yeah. which was definitely different. Even our, even our quote unquote hero, Mookie, Uh, just one that came to mind he has this line when he finally goes and visits his girlfriend and his son and he's talking to his girlfriend's mother and he says uh, I want my son to know English it's bad enough his name is Hector and I thought oh my goodness that's that's a terrible way to look yeah Yeah. and he's supposed to be like oh yeah guy we're following the one we're you know invested in and he's still not you know he's not that respectful and he's 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 tied into his own community too much and he's not interested in the other way yeah the other cultures that might be around him hi ruth we haven't heard you from you in a little while i know i'm sorry i'm exhausted it's been a long day <laughs> okay, i just want to give you an opportunity to, to just <laughs> comment on a few things how you felt about the the insulting language used and how how people interacted or respected each other in the movie.
4: Was it shocking to you for you to hear everybody using nasty names for each other?
2: Yeah, I was just like, gosh. I was like, and then yeah, you know, I just thought,
1: geez.
0: Like, hmm. I think the most shocking thing was that everyone sort of just took it in stride. Like, no one, uh, I don't know, re- no one reacted the way you would expect them to to hearing some of these things said to them, and that's that was surprising.
2: Yeah, it was like, oh my gosh, you know. <laughs>
0: It's Do you enough- think that's better? At any point.
4: Is it better or is it worse? Well, is it better that they, is it more positive that they all took it in stride or would it have been better if they had all reacted in a, you know, reacted negatively, strongly towards the names?
0: Certainly not. I just, I don't know. I mean, I was very, you know, I was uh, eight years old when this movie came out. But, uh, but uh, and I lived in a very different place. I didn't live in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, but I wonder if if it's realistic that nobody would have gotten upset or if things, I think it's another example of how, um, of moments in this movie that easily could have escalated and just didn't. Um, as we go through the day, like any of those times, somebody could have just said, what the hell, what the fuck are you saying to me? You know, And it just would have become a horrible, a horrible violent situation i'm saying the word situation a lot i apologize i
1: can you
0: throw us out again fahad um so i wondered if it was like realistic um and then i also thought like is this is it better that people are talking to each other like that because at least they're being out loud about how they feel which maybe gives them more opportunity to actually evolve in their life later to Although no one's explaining, no one seems to be interested in having it explained to them why what they're saying is bad and no one attempts to either. So they're not like trying to, they're not trying to school each other. Um, but they're also not getting too upset about it, which, uh, you know, I guess is a win-win or, or not a win-win, but.
3: <laughs> I was about to say, it's not a win-win when you're using oh. that language.
0: I don't, know, I, gonna, <laughs> I don't know why that's the phrase that came to my eyes. <laughs> but it's a, I guess it's a, it's breaking even is what I was trying to say. I guess we're breaking even there, whatever. <laughs> well, one more thing about, Stereotypes. I uh, I
1: wonder was bugging out supposed to be example of a they say an angry black man. They always say that the the, the blacks are, like like, like a, bl- a black woman is, is uh what do we call it, and there's certain black women and men in uh, different walks of life that are angry. They've always said to be angry. So I wonder was he supposed to be portrayed as a stereotypical angry black man? So I, I don't know if some of you guys
0: like would know you've heard that that stereotype but <laughs>
1: uh, yeah I wonder
0: was he in there course for is that so uh I don't think spike Lee huh? I don't think spike Lee as a black director and writer uh intended him to represent an angry black man per se but yeah. I, I do think but obviously I'm trying to think about how I'm...
3: he is constantly well he was named bugging out but I, but I'm saying a black well, I black
0: wouldn't put a character in there and say this is an angry black man as if he's like a villain. I think it was more like Eric, you made what was that? You're
1: coming I in. A good out. Boy, I was thinking the same thing. Why put someone in there if you're not trying to push a stereotype like that? Like why why is he angry? <laughs> I think I'm trying to show, yeah.
3: he's showing the whole neighborhood, right, is full of characters, full of different people. You know, there were all different what? personalities and you know there's a personality there that bugs out a lot of, over things. <laughs>
0: But in addition to that, I think you're trying to show, I mean, it was very subtle, but there are reasons why a person might get angry. Because I I think too often society looks at angry black man and it's devoid of context. It's like, oh, angry is a part of the personality when there are probably very good reasons to be angry, you know? No. Yeah. If, you know, you might come to a realization one day when you're at your favorite pizza place, uh That doesn't represent your neighborhood, and you wonder, like, if this is like the 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 biggest place, the biggest hangout in our community. You know, why is it only Italian American? You know, like, why aren't they supporting the community in some way other than just serving pizza to us and we're buying it and making them richer? You know, and I can see somebody getting angry about that. And so, so I think yeah. to your point, point, that stereotype of an angry black person uh, it takes it out of context, <laughs> almost implies that it's just that a natural part of a black personality is to be angry. Uh, and it sort of almost says like, oh, there's no justifiable reason for it. But when in reality, there would be, there is a, there's a reason to be angry. And bugging Out does have a reason to be angry. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he, I think he maybe takes it a little far. I, we, I, it sounds like we all are. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't want to speak oh, Yeah. that, but I, from what you've been saying, everyone seems to agree, like that maybe bugging Out shouldn't have been so, so loud and um, an accused, <laughs> uh, he didn't really try to have like a one-on-one conversation about his his actual concerns. Um, he just went straight to angry and loud, but it's understandable why he would get a, a bee in his bonnet. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> and then that, you know, the events <laughs> of the day kind of escalated. You can see that I, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What else? Oh, I want to say, so on style, I mentioned a little, a, a few things earlier, but how did you guys like the, the? Um, it wasn't really fourth wall breaking, but there was a lot of fourth wall facing. There's probably a cinematic term for it that I'm embarrassed, I can't remember, but, um, so, you know, in a lot of the <laughs> shots and the conversations, the characters actually look directly at the camera instead and, and have their conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. So you're asking okay, if we like that or what we think about them?
0: Your, your thoughts on it yeah um it didn't impact you or you know i was gonna say
3: it brings you more into the movie right like they're talking to you all those scenes where they're facing you and they're talking like you said and you're not breaking the fourth wall but they're talking to you and it just gets you more you you pay more attention <laughs> sorry shelly go on
0: no
4: i see what you're saying mm-hmm.
0: yeah i mean it makes you as the viewer part of the community a little bit right yeah it also makes the emotions a little more intense. So if somebody is having an argument, uh, the fact that they're not facing the other character and having an argument and instead facing you and having the argument, um, I think makes, it builds up a little of the tension inside yourself too. Mm-hmm. So you kind of understand how they're feeling in this on this very hot day in this community with all these tensions. Yeah. I thought it was a very good technique. I think it was very effective. Yeah. I agree.
4: I, I absolutely agree.
0: I agree. <laughs> Maybe we can just talk about little things that you saw. The first thing that I will say is, um, Fahad, did you like the scene where the one guy was holding a Black Panther comic and he was a big fan? Yeah. <laughs> I thought
4: that I was, <laughs> like,
0: was... Thing goes back to Marvel. <laughs> yeah, I was like, people who were watching Peter
4: eats pizza, so we eat pizza.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> um. No, I was definitely thinking that. I was like, if uh, people were watching it back then, they might not realize, like, they might know a little bit about him, but now it's like if somebody watches it now, everybody knows who Black Panther is and knows Wakanda. You know, Wakanda forever. Oh, yeah. So it's definitely fun.
0: Yeah, I, I think he probably used to used to belong to the black community a little more, but now you know, after the big movie with Chadwick Boseman, he uh, other people have now started to notice Black Panther and his story and and the and the. But you know, back in 1989, that was a kind of an important comic to exist, especially one that portrays a place like Wakanda that's technologically advanced and very successful and has a lot of power and is entirely um, black and in Africa. And it's it's like one place where you can look to, you know, we all need our fictional stories to sort of give us something to to look up to or, or that we can Lose herself in to feel a little bit better about our situation, and I'm sure that that uh, was important that way to the black community through the years. I'm sure never perfect since it was, you know, created by a white man and I think written by white men for quite some time. Black Panther. I'm sorry. So but some. What, yeah, the Black the, Panther. comic. The, wait. Oh, I see. You. Yeah. But you know, the gay community has a similar issue. Like throughout the years, you know, there weren't gay people on TV or film and gay characters were not treated very well or represented very well. But there's, you know, a lot of documentaries that talk about the fact that even though it was imperfect, we would latch on to those moments and those characters because it's, that's all that we had, you know, it was all that was there and they would become very dear to us. You know, we become very invested in them, even if they weren't great representations, because it was all that was there. You just sort of make do with what what is out there that makes you feel a little bit prouder or a little more seen about yourself.
3: No, definitely. And like you said, like even back then, if Black Panther wasn't as well known across everybody, like he definitely was a big character representing, you know, the black culture, black, you know, characters just in general, he's you know, the main superhero that was there at the time. Um, a rare yeah. thing to point to. Do what?
0: A rare thing to point
3: yeah. to. Yeah. Like, um, and such a powerful character i mean you know being called black panther you know like it's all very powerful um character that he is but uh definitely now he means a lot more to everybody because of the character as it's portrayed in the movie the movie itself and what that portrays and just the power that it brings to everybody um so i I mean you know spike lee obviously had no idea that black panther would become such a cultural phenomenon you know, 20 years later, but or more than wait, how many years later? Geez, uh, more than 20 years later, 25 years later. But uh, Spike Lee has a lot of uh, foresight, right? I mean, he casts a lot of people before they became big. I mean, look at Giancarlo Esposito, right?
0: Was that crazy? I, I didn't recognize him for half the movie.
3: I mean, I recognized him right away. I didn't away. either. I recognized him right away, but I was like, oh, my gosh, he's bugging out. That's crazy.
1: And I didn't trust- Eric, I, was, I agree. I didn't recognize him at all. I was like, oh, my gosh. that's I saw his name. I was, I was looking for him. Then I kind of forgot to look for him. And then I realized that was bugging out. He really he did a good job of bugging out. <laughs> I mean, he really, I will say he played that character really good. And then yeah. I, had, and I saw him in, in Breaking Bad yeah. just two years ago. And like, whoa, he kicked butt in there. So, he, you know, he's, he, he's the real deal. <laughs> yeah. And he's most really of the things
3: I've seen him in, he's always – even if he's a villain, he's still cool, calm, and collected. Yes, he is. I like that. In almost every movie, he's obviously... in, right? Like, like Breaking yeah. bad, once weird. upon a time, Mandalorian. Um, so it was very interesting to see him. Play and
0: he seems to have like a professorial personality. Like
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, because we've seen him, you know, you know, like the in Mandalorian's very, you know, prim and proper kind of dude, even though he's a villain. Um and then mm-hmm. And I also kept thinking about him singing in Once Upon a Time. (laughs) I didn't know he sang. He's a good voice. Well, there's a musical episode of that series. And Uh, uh, he sings a little line in it. And I was just like, that is, I don't know. That's crazy to me thinking about it um, now. (laughs) What's interesting
3: is I know there were always rumors going around that maybe he'll be cast as like the new Professor X in the X-Men movies now that um, Marvel owns the rights. Um, I don't know if it'll happen or not. But what's very interesting is, You know, this movie, like you pointed out earlier, Eric, is very focused on, you know, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. Right. We they're brought up throughout Smiley's talks about them, the quotes at the end, everything. And a lot of people consider the Magneto and Professor X struggle as Malcolm X and uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Right. Where Professor X before where X-Men is now with Quicksilver and everything, Professor X was always around taking the peace mm-hmm. route. Oh, violence is never an answer. And Magneto's like, no, sometimes we need to bring violence in order to bring change and take you know, our rightful place. Um, but it's interesting, right? Because bugging out would be more on the the Malcolm X side of things, yet Carlos Esposito might actually play Professor X in a movie that's more like the Martin Luther King Jr. of the X-Men. So kind of an interesting thing there.
0: It's so weird you just said that because I literally right now in front of me on the screen have opened the Wikipedia page for Malcolm X and right in front of my eyes, as you were saying that is this sentence, the Marvel comics writer, Chris Claremont confirmed that Malcolm X was an inspiration for the X-Men character Magneto. While Martin Luther King was an inspiration for professor X mm-hmm. that's from Chris Claremont himself.
3: And you all can hear more about that on my Marvel podcast called <laughs> it does not exist yet.
0: You should probably- <laughs> <laughs> You could talk about a different Marvel legend every time you have an episode and you'd have so many, thousands of episodes.
3: Yeah, and have a lot of episodes. Maybe I should do that.
0: Okay, well, I guess that wraps up our conversation. I thank everyone for making their best effort to talk through these very difficult issues. Um, in general, I really love the movie and I, I hope everyone enjoyed it. We'll talk about ratings later, but for now, I think it's time again for... And this is weird because I'm the one leading this conversation, but now. Oh, <laughs> ba 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 ba! Recast.
1: <laughs>
0: as you may know by now, we close each episode with the recast game, where we each play a we each play casting director and choose a different actor from any era, living or dead, to portray your character in this film instead. Uh, so I'm just gonna go around as I see fit, and I'm gonna ask Tiki to go first.
1: Okay. Um, I would like to have two recasts tonight if that's possible. And the- we usually do it even if it isn't. So go ahead. <laughs> I was, uh, well, okay. So, um, Radio Rahim, he, I thought he resembled Forrest Whitaker a lot. So I like, the, I would put, uh, recast Radio Rahim with Forrest Whitaker. So they, they just look similar. And I think he could do, I could see him, um, I could see him as a uh, younger version playing in this 1990s movie as, as a young Forrest Whitaker and like he's, he's playing Way Raheem so I, I could see somehow him acting you know pulling that pulling his character off and I want cast, um bugging out with Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart has a bug out <laughs> presence too he's always going what, ah, ah, ah. okay I probably you, you, you get what I'm saying he's, he's very he's always very excited and very hyper and all this stuff and I can See him, all this reactions, all that stuff that Bugging Out does. So, can anyone else see that? Or is it just me, Kevin Hart, in that role? That makes sense, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, and obviously, yeah, yeah. so that, that's who I uh, recast uh, for Bugging Out. Yeah.
0: Ooh, that makes
1: sense. Yeah.
0: I think Forrest Whitaker probably would have been on the scene at the time and could have played the character. He would have. Oh, yeah. I saw him a lot in the, in the character. I was like, oh, yeah, good recast. I was my recast. Thank you, Kia. Let's go to Shelley next. All right, I recast Pino
4: with Christopher Imperioli from The Sopranos. I don't think any of you all have watched that, but he um, played Christopher on The Sopranos. He would be perfect for that role.
0: I'm gonna look up because I know that name but up to. i need to see a cycle imperial yeah. yeah yeah now that i see a space totally yeah oh yeah i think that would have been good definitely okay uh ruth you're next
2: um i was thinking for um the mayor i thought i don't know as far as like the drunkenness part would go but i thought like as far as some eloquent type things you know the how he could speak for stuff like that i was like i wonder how james earl
0: jones would do okay yeah mm-hmm. i can't picture him acting drunk but
2: Well, I was going to say, I don't know about the drunk part. I don't know about the drunk part, but I feel like he would have a good of trying to be, have like an insight of trying to like, trying to help the situations that was going on.
0: And he Uh, has that wise man's voice.
2: Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, I get it. Yeah,
0: definitely. (laughs) As long as he uses the wise man version of his voice and not the dark Yes,
2: That's why it would probably change a little bit of the dynamic. But yeah, I feel like as far as like, he's obviously intelligent and a good, you know, (laughs) Stuff like an
1: eloquent
0: and i guess you know speaks well <laughs> yeah. you're doing a weird thing with your mouth i hope you're just warming up for your recast your turn
3: i'm warming up now um so it's funny eric that you're dressed as mr senior love daddy uh because that's actually my recast <laughs> uh, and no i'm not recasting you in that part it's just funny that that's you know, your your dress for the day um So, recasting uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character, Mr. Senior Love Daddy, as the person sitting behind the radio booth and, you know, making his commentary throughout. I just thought uh, Will Smith would be fun in that role if they were to do it now. You know, he's a bit older, a bit wiser, but he's still Will Smith. And it would be kind of funny if they were to remake a movie like that now to have such a big star, have such a limited role. That is still, though, important because, you know, he comes in at those pivotal moments to make his commentary and all. So...
0: You know, what would be interesting about that? Uh, you know, uh, Takia cast Kevin Hart. So, you know, we've kind of thought about, you know, whether, you know, a modern version could be made. And we've also talked about how, uh, sadly, this movie basically, uh, it's the same situation now that we live in, right? Um, so, it, I, you know, remember when, uh, what was it, 1999, I think? Takiyah probably remembers the exact year, but when they remade Psycho, Gus Van Sant? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it was a... Uh, I enjoyed it, but a lot of people didn't like it. Um, and if yeah. I watched it, maybe I wouldn't because it was a shot for shot remake. And so the, the, the idea is like, well, what's the point of that? You know? <laughs> like you're just yeah. shooting exactly the same shots that Hitchcock did um, and nothing is different. But I think it would be different in this case. If, I think it would be very interesting if they did a shot for shot remake of this movie but only modernizing, like setting it in present day. So, you know, maybe there's a few different details like cell phones, you know, obviously the community, like the cars would be different on the streets and the fashions would be different, but basically everything that happens could be the same. And I don't think it would look out of place. And I think that would make a very um, impactful point about how little we've progressed. <laughs>
1: right.
0: And Sad. then you definitely will Smith do, love daddy yep. and kevin hart play bugging <laughs> out although i still i'm still not a kevin hart fan remember when we found out um he was cast as uh abdel in in the u.s version of untouchables <laughs> I don't know. I serious for something like that i don't know he doesn't have the
3: <laughs> maybe it'll make you like him if you watch it
0: maybe i think he did something more serious recently that I, I didn't watch but i think it was a series or something and i thought about watching it just because it looked like he was trying to transition into more serious roles. But anyway, um, so I guess that leaves me to do my recast. So I'm gonna recast Vito, the nice blonde Italian brother. Uh, And I wanted to recast him with Chris Penn. Do you guys remember him? Uh, Chris Penn is actually, well, he's passed since, sadly. But he was, looked that up for me real quick, Fahad, because I'm pretty sure he passed, but I don't want to claim somebody has passed that has not. He but did I, in 2006. In, mm-hmm. Sorry? 2006. Yeah. Um, so sadly, taken too young, but uh, he's actually Sean Penn's brother. That's what I thought. Uh, and he's probably most well known for being, he was in Footloose. He was the cowboy.
2: Oh, yeah. He looks familiar.
0: And, um, and then later he was in Tuonfu. Fu as a, a was he deputy sheriff dullard or was he sheriff dullard i think he was deputy sheriff dullard uh and he says it says Dullard. He says well it says dullard on your name tag it's a misprint
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: anyway I, that's one of my favorite movies ever so because of that i have chris penn memorized um but you know especially in footloose i remember he was a very good-natured uh good-natured boy um you know and so I think that uh, he would have played the character of Vito in the same way. He would have been like the, the sort of sweetheart, um, very easy to be bullied by his brother, um, that just wants to- Is everyone he
4: Italian?
0: Well, I looked him up and on his grandmother's side, he has some Italian. So I don't know. It probably counts for 1990, 1989
3: standards. But hmm. yeah, if you were doing the movie now, he needs to be Italian.
0: Now he might need to be, but you know, what is like, <laughs> what is full Italian American anymore? Do you know what I mean by that? Shelly. Shelly. Oh, are you you're full Italian American? Like all the way back? Yeah. Well, I you, agree. Uh, yeah. your kids aren't, right?
4: No, ha- half.
0: Because now you've married Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, okay. Those are some good recasts. Thanks everybody. Mm-hmm. I guess now we should move on to our ratings. And uh, you all know the drill. You can use quarters. You gotta go zero to five. Fahad's gonna give us a countdown, but open up your chats. Get your number typed in and put your thumb up and when everyone's ready Fahad will will count us down to hit enter
3: everybody's ready okay so uh, when I say zero hit enter three two one zero okay Shelly go for it
4: okay 4.5 okay 3.75 okay four 5, Okay. three
3: okay, 3. okay. 2. <laughs> 5. okay. divided by five of us that's a 3.6
0: all right well, I don't know. that's uh it's a little better than my average for a pick <laughs> <laughs> obviously i liked it a lot more than everyone else <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um all right so i think all that we have left is for takia to let us know the next film
1: this one may not be for the faint at heart i wouldn't say it's hard but it definitely um it's reality in a way involves a different culture. fact, it involves a tribe of people. And um, also the idea of cannibalism. <laughs> so um, so this one is actually on Netflix. It
0: is uh, The Green Inferno. Okay, I have not seen that. Is yes. that Eli Roth? Yes. Yeah, see, when you were first in- announcing this, <laughs> I was thinking, oh my gosh, is she gonna have us watch Cannibal Holocaust? <laughs> no, no,
1: I mean, this one
0: has it terrifying is, <laughs> It's terrifying looking. So
1: it has it has some discussion points,
0: um, especially involving a different. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been wanting to watch this. I heard a lot of. I think yeah. I heard some good things about it. I think. <laughs> Those of you who I think might have, have a problem with it, possibly,
1: maybe I should not present it like that. I, I, just do you watch it? Do your yeah. best with watching it, and just yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: And, um, and Ruth, just remember, Takia's watched this already. So if she thinks it's something that you could absolutely not handle, she probably wouldn't have recommended it.
0: Okay.
2: If I can't handle it, I can't promise I can't watch it. So I, yeah. I can
0: watch the whole thing just to be. But it's but it's also not supernatural or demonic. No,
1: it's actually it's 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 like it just it's something where you you can you can go past certain parts and just watch the rest of the film, like watch like the action without that makes sense. Like you need, you need to just. Dis- Wine past or just close your eyes those parts that's what i would suggest certain parts well, otherwise
2: i'll um, have to hopefully i'll know which one's to fast forward yeah. so
1: um yeah it, 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 so it involves a different culture and and um how what's acceptable versus not acceptable
3: well this can be the movie all of your kids watch with you
1: <laughs> that would be very Traumatizing a family <laughs> Christmas movie, I'm sure. Yeah. So I could say, Mommy,
0: why don't we eat people? <laughs> There's meat everywhere. How could anyone starve? <laughs> so Shelly, was Lincoln
3: sleeping down there most of the time? Because I saw That's Stuart come. <laughs> she
0: was asleep oh,
1: asleep.
4: oh, that was
3: Violet. Oh, wow. I thought
1: that was Lincoln, too. He just fell asleep
4: um, on the floor. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's oh. funny because I saw Stewart come in and I just assumed he picked Lincoln up and went out oh,
0: yeah. well I hope that in another 30 years the issues explored and do the right thing will seem quaint and not current I declare this episode of Old Fogies and Films concluded thanks for joining us you can find us on Facebook and find our list on Letterboxd don't forget to leave a comment or review everybody say bye bye, bye. bye.